1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On the Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. This is 105.9 The Region. I'm Tina Cortez with On The Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show. Our expert from REMAX Prime Properties is Asif Khan. Good morning, Asif. Good morning, Tina. We're starting today with asking you to take out that crystal ball because we know that the Bank of Canada is making an interest rate announcement on July 12th. What do you think is coming? Oh, man. (laughs) When we're looking at... uh inflation coming down and now the latest numbers were 3.4 percent you almost want to believe that the bank of canada will hold the rate because inflation is going in the right direction however the bank of canada has never done what we've anticipated in the last uh, year or so so i can see them thinking that they need to do a quarter point increase uh, in order to curb what's happening with the housing market but again the housing market is completely related to supply and demand and that's what's causing the spike in pricing even though sales have been a little bit quiet over the last few weeks it's the supply and demand issue which is yeah, i'm not going to say it's raised its ugly head again it's because it has never not been there over the last four or five years we just have not been able to address it uh, and satisfy demand by having more supply and until we have more supply we're going to see spikes in pricing. So even if they do think that a quarter point is necessary, it's not going to do much in terms of fixing the price appreciation uh, the, the way it's going. So even a slight increase, if that is what happens, what will be the impact on your buyers and sellers? It won't. It will put buyers and sellers into a holding pattern for a few weeks again, as we saw with the last quarter point increase. That's exactly what it did. It just stalled the market for a couple of weeks and then buyers get back into the market because that's what they're going to have to pay. And we might even see a bit of a flurry because people usually get 60 or 90 or 120 day rate holds. So if there is an increase, they want to purchase before their rate hold expires. And we'll see a little bit of flurry right when the announcement is made. And then there'll be a, a little bit of a cool down for a few weeks until people realize that the rates aren't going down anytime soon. We don't anticipate rates to fall until Q1 of 2024. And that means if anyone wants to buy in 2023 right now, these are the rates that you're up against. So maybe the solution is to get a one or two year mortgage and then have it refinanced after a year or after two years. And that way you can take advantage of purchasing right now at the prices that are out there right now. And then once the rates start to come down, you can refinance. And that way that's probably a win-win for everyone. So is that what you think is going to happen? And I know it's best guess here. You think that we're looking at a bit of an increase now. You're suggesting maybe lock in for a couple years. And then when it comes to refinancing at that point, hopefully rates will have gone down. Is that what you're thinking? That's exactly what I'm thinking. And, and, you know, fixed rates have gone up a lot over the last little while as well. We'll we'll start to see some relief there, but I think the variable rate will come down probably February, March of 2024. And by then, inflation should be uh, a 
a better situation as well for the numbers for inflation. And I, but I do think that, you know, getting out there and purchasing your home now will save you money in the long run. And getting out there now will also, you're suggesting, help you secure that 120-day financing hold? Is that what it's called? Yeah, so some banks will do 120-day rate hold. Some banks will do 60 days or 90 days. But speak to your financial institution. Get pre-qualified now and and see what they can lock in today's rates uh, as long as they can lock them in for you. Take that because if you're out there shopping and, and you come across the perfect home that you want to spend the next five years, 10 years, maybe a lifetime in, you want to be able to purchase that and, and have the peace of mind that you're locking in at today's rate, not with a quarter point increase or anything like that. And inventory, still an issue? Still an issue, and, and it'll continue to be an issue because there's no relief in sight. We're, we're, not, we're simply just not building enough houses to be able to satisfy the demand and pent-up demand that's out there. After the break, the 15-minute neighborhood. What exactly does that mean? This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's radio real estate show. Over to my co-host and our real estate expert, Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties with today's guest, Asif. Thank you, Tina. Joining us is Elton Ash, Executive Vice President of REMAX Canada. Elton, welcome back to On the Market. Great to be with you. Elton, there's been so much talk about the 15-minute neighborhood, and REMAX Canada put on a fabulous presentation about what that is. Tell our listeners a little bit about the 15-minute neighborhood. Absolutely, awesome. The 15-minute neighborhood in our report is really all about livability, walkability, and the opportunity to have all your services within 15 minutes of your home. And so whether that's school, parks, shopping, and ideally your office work environment, although we really know that uh, with, with larger cities, uh, Vancouver, Toronto, you, you probably will have a commute to get to work if you're working downtown, but really to have everything else. And, and the report also focused on what the smaller centers in Canada can learn from the successes and mistakes that the larger cities have made vis-a-vis, you know, the central work core of, of, of large cities and, and how the smaller cities across Canada can learn. Because as we really look at Canada's population, we just surpassed the 40 million threshold and that there are predictions that in the next 25 years, our population will double. And so you look at the Kingstons of Ontario or you know, Red Deer, Alberta, and and those populations will double as well. And so what can those communities learn in making a more livable city? Really, that's what it's all about. And it sounds like such a great idea, but how realistic is that 15-minute neighborhood for the average buyer? That's a, that's a great thought. And if we if we look historically back over how our cities developed, and, and let's look at Toronto, you've got 
the core city downtown where York was founded, you know, and the city of Toronto grew out of that. And when we look back at the late 1800s and early 1900s, Toronto was a 15-minute city. Everything was within your 15-minute walk. We didn't have the automobiles. The, the city was developed along streetcar lines. And, and so the question you ask is, well, how can that be applied to today? Well, really, we, we've moved to, and this happened in the 60s, and we'll recall Joni Mitchell's song, you know, put up a <laughs> pave over paradise, put up a parking lot. Right. <laughs> and we, mo- we moved to the car culture at that time where the suburbs really grew and the automobile was our mode of transportation. And as we look today with climate mitigation that we want to apply to this as well, you know, the whole greenhouse effect and how, you know, our earth climate is adjusting, we need to, to get to more greener uh, transportation systems as well. And, and so it's really this theme that, that you can, we can look at in designing communities and start to move. And, and you make inter- incremental movements that 25 years from now could mean a lot. So this is long-term visioning. It's not thinking in election cycles, so to speak. That's true. And, and we are kind of used to this with the suburbs in that there have been builders and developers considering all the amenities that we would need and, and putting them within certain subdivisions. But it's more with subdivisions of the past where people have moved away to get away from all of the, the hustle and bustle of the city. And, and now the 15-minute neighborhood seems to be putting all of these amenities back in to the suburbs. Is that a pretty good indication of, of where that is uh, coming from? Absolutely, awesome. That That's ideally where you, and for example, we've looked at uh, neighborhoods that are in the, say, 30, and of course years go by, but let's say 35 to 50 years of age where there are, and there's great examples of where developers have looked at what have become vacant strip malls and how could they repurpose that particular site because they're usually fairly large sites well you could you could put in a mixture of housing within that area because this this whole 15 minute neighborhood is looking at all segments of housing not just fee simple home ownership we're looking at basic shelter requirements we're also looking at purpose-built rental so that it encompasses the entire housing spectrum that, that we have within, within Canada. And so that by providing this mix of housing, we, we then provide greater diversification and, and just a greater overall uh, sense of what community is all about. So there's opportunity for redevelopment of sites that have lost their, their past purpose. Elton, what has been the reaction of the various stakeholders in this 15-minute neighborhood idea in terms of developers and the politicians alike? Are they receptive to something like this? To this point, we've received a very positive response from all segments of, of the demographics that are involved in housing industry, whether that's municipal, provincial, or federal politicians and developers. Uh, have mentioned a little bit earlier how some developers are looking at 15-minute cities 
neighborhoods within their developments. And, and I can think of a couple here in Kelowna, for example, Kettle Valley, where, and I was just up there this morning, where there is a, a whole community there, the school, the parks, the small shopping, uh, grocery stores, a pizza place, all that type of thing. And yet it's 20 minutes from downtown Kelowna. Um, and so ultimately, from a political point of view, you know, there has to be a national housing strategy in place. Uh, there's been some movement federally in that direction, certainly provincially in the city of Toronto. And, and so there, there's, but everybody's sort of got a different idea. And, and what we're trying to do is sort of kind of lay out a plan that everyone could look at and say, hey, the pieces of it can kind of make sense for all of us. And, and to work towards that. And, and, of course, the underlying theme of the study is, is what smaller cities can learn from larger metro areas in addressing their population growth you know, in the future. And, and I was going to add, and you said it well, that all levels of government have to work together mm-hmm. in moving this idea forward. But the benefits of it, it would certainly reduce the carbon footprint. It would help with reduced car usage. And if a family only had one parking spot in their new condo, this would be the answer to that. Because the way that suburbs have been designed, you needed a car to get to anything. Do you see the buy-in from the first-time home buyers, or, or even home buyers that have been uh, moving around to different subdivisions. Do you see the buy-in from them coming with a 15-minute neighborhood? Certainly from the younger generations, the millennials and Gen Z uh, that are looking at, again, they're, they're looking at livability and affordability. I mean, to get into a home today is extremely challenging for a first-time home buyer without the bank of mom and dad helping them out and 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 we are seeing that generational wealth transfer to the younger generation for the baby boomers but nevertheless uh this is an all-encompassing study in regards to all types of housing and so yeah the 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 younger generations are looking at this and saying hey it makes a lot of sense to bring affordability to the market to provide us with a great neighborhood to live and raise our children in and and enjoy a climate mitigation strategy as well so that we're not suffering from, you know, some of the, the, the climatic issues that we're uh, having to put up with right now. And so, again, a look to the future. Elton, can you share with us some of the recommendations in this report? I think the biggest recommendation is really looking at the, the three areas of livability, so ensuring that the community provides the amenities that people are looking for, so parks, schools, shopping, uh, work areas, and then climate mitigation, which is the other area uh, to be looking at for the future in dealing with the climatic change that Earth is going through and that uh, we can look at in our urban design plans of how to approach that and then overall, just at, at uh, overall supply and affordability and how we can provide more supply, therefore affect the affordability of homes. 
And how does this address the urban sprawl that's uh, taken place over the years? Uh, is this going to address that? And how are we going to transform some of these neighborhoods into 15-minute neighborhoods if they've already been subdivisions of the past? Exactly. And I think that's where you can look at highest and best use of land that's out there right now. Some of it, and we're, we're seeing uh, developers redevelop uh, existing sites so that they lend itself better to more localized use uh, and so less car travel required. But the reality, of course, with uh, downtown cores and the uh, linked communities, so if we look at the city of Toronto and Etobicoke, Don Mills, you know, and out to Mississauga, the, the reality is, is that the, although we're seeing the work transition to more remote, people are still going to work downtown Toronto. And so we then look at mass transit. And so again, having, and that's what's going on right now with some of the redevelopment of mass transit in Toronto is to provide greater uh, comfort or use thereof of transit to get to downtown where you link and work and, and enjoy, you know, a ball game or a hockey game or what have you, that type of thing. And so there are plans in place for that already. It's, it's just kind of looking further afield than often the politicians do from time to time. Yeah, and something I looked forward to for sure. And, and congratulations to you and your team for putting this together. If our listeners want to read about the 15-minute neighborhood report put out by REMAX, where can they find it? They can uh, find it at REMAX.ca and just click on Housing Trends and they'll find the entire report there. I would really urge uh, anybody that's curious or interested in it to take the time and have a look at it. There's a lot of detail there, a lot of information uh, that you know addresses all segments of, of housing. And so it's, uh, I would hope most would find it an interesting read and, and hopefully a thought or a vision to the next 40 to 50 years of urban growth. Alton, thanks so much for joining us and for the great information. You're welcome. When we come back, your real estate questions. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market. Your questions for Asif Connor next, and we begin with Martin in Richmond Hill. He is hoping you can explain, Asif, the status certificate when it comes to condos. What does that mean? What's it all about? And why is it so important? That's a great question. And the status certificate, it's, it's a glimpse of what's happening at that condo unit at that particular time. So it will tell you exactly if the condo unit owner has paid all of their fees, if they've done any renovations, if there's anything that needs to be addressed with the unit itself. But it also gives you a bigger picture as to show you how much money is in the reserve fund. Now, the reserve fund is it's an accumulation of funds that are collected. It's a portion of the maintenance fees that goes into a reserve fund. So they keep it for upcoming repairs or maintenance issues or anything like that. So you want to make sure a condo corporation has an adequate fund 
to be able to do that. If not, you know, the, the negative side of being part of a condo ownership is you're responsible as a joint uh, owner for that entire building. So if the underground needs repair and there's no money in the reserve fund, you're going to have to have a special assessment, what they call is uh, when everyone contributes some extra money to make sure these repairs are taken care of. So what the lawyer will look for in a reserve fund is, is it healthy enough so that the upcoming repairs, which are also mentioned in the status report, will be paid for by what's in the status or in the reserve fund, or do you need to have a special assessment where everyone's going to be contributing more money? So it gives you a great picture or an actual picture of what the financials are like, if there's any lawsuits uh, against the building. Now, normal lawsuits would be slip and fall. Every building has that pretty much. But if there's any major lawsuits against suppliers or manufacturers or anyone else that's, uh, that the building could have problems with. So it gives you a great glimpse into what's happening in that building and what to expect when you move in. And so the status certificate is something that a lawyer should review? Yes, 100%. And every condo should, uh, every condo deal should be conditional on the review of status. You don't want to purchase a condo and get a great deal on this condo and then you find out that there's a $60,000 special assessment that you're going to have to pay in three payments. So you want the lawyer to take a look at the status report, give you the thumbs up, uh, point out any deficiencies or anything that they may have. Now, the lawyer's job is to go through the status and point all of these things out. And not all of them are deal breakers. There might be one or two deal breakers in there, like if there's not enough funds and you need a special assessment. But if there's little lawsuits like slips and falls and everything, the lawyers will mention it to you, but it's not a deal breaker. Every building has those. And so when you have a status certificate, is it something that could actually, you know, break a deal, as you're saying? Uh, what are those red flags? What are the major issues that would have to be addressed that maybe you don't want to sign on the dotted line and make that purchase? So major lawsuits, uh, renovations that may be planned for the building that uh, aren't able to be serviced by the reserve fund, uh, a reserve fund that's, uh, you know, shy now. A new building won't have a huge reserve fund. So, you know, they'll have reserve studies that are done to say in 10 years we will have this much money and that's when we're going to be fixing the underground parking or anything like that. But all of that will be mentioned in there. The other thing that you want to look at the status specific for is what are their rules and regulations? You know, if you have a dog, are dogs even permitted in the building? Uh, what are the size restrictions? So all of this will be mentioned in the rules and regulations for the building uh, in the status certificate and the lawyer will be able to point all of these out for you. And what do you consider a new building? Under five years? Yeah, I would say under five years. Right now, especially in New York region, we have a lot of newer buildings, newer condo buildings that will not have healthy reserve funds because they've just started to collect towards that. So you want to make sure that any repairs that are planned, any maintenance that's planned is uh, you know, able to be serviced by what's in that reserve fund. Okay, next question. Frank from Thornhill wants to know the dangers of purchasing a property which is tenant-occupied. Asif, what do you think? Well, right now, it's pretty dangerous to purchase a property that's tenant-occupied because there's a lot of tenants out there that are taking advantage of the system. And by that, I mean they're taking advantage of the landlord-tenant board being backed up and they know that there's going to be a delay. So although if you purchase a property that's tenant-occupied and they have to leave, 
the the seller may have to pay them. So you want to make sure that your agreement of purchase and sale says that you are moving in and want vacant possession. And at the same time, you want to make sure that the seller is going to ensure that the tenant is has vacated by the time the closing date comes along. Because if not, you could find yourself in a situation where you're closing on a property and the tenant is squatting and not leaving. You know, typically what would happen back in the day was you would go to the landlord tenant board, say I've sold this property, and if the tenant didn't leave, you could send the sheriff in, change the locks. Right now, with the delays, you're waiting on eight to ten months for this hearing to take place. And I think landlord tenant relationships are gonna be stressed to the point that this is gonna get worse before it gets better because the landlord tenant board is dropping the ball at every opportunity they have to fix what the problems are and that's encouraged tenants to just be rogue. And so determining whether vacating the property and, you know, having the tenant move out, whether that's an issue for the seller or the buyer, this is something that is negotiated in the purchasing process, I would assume? It is. However, the agreement of purchase and sale, the tenant is not a party to that. So the tenant will just say, well, if you want me out, you need to pay me money. Or if you want me out, I'm going to leave on this day. And again, before when the landlord tenant board was proactive and, and keeping up with you know, their obligations to service the landlords and tenants, we didn't have these issues. Right now, the landlord tenant board is a mess. And you know, it, it should actually be blown up and restarted because what's happening there right now is not good for tenants or landlords. So the problem stems from the landlord tenants board's delays and their inadequacies. And that's really given, it's fueled the fire between landlords and tenants. And if a buyer is looking for a quick closing, I would assume that a tenant would also require some time to vacate the premises. The buyer, if it's a tenant property, cannot close before 60 days notice. And that okay. 60 days notice has to be from the first of the month. So if you purchase something on July 15th, the seller can't give notice to that tenant until August 1st. So the earliest you can move in is 60 days after August 1st. So you're looking at a, uh, you know, August, October 1st closing. And so with a quick closing, when a property is tenant, it's not really possible. Uh, you have to do a minimum of 60 days notice. Okay. As a reminder, if you have questions for On The Market, hit send anytime to info at 1059theregion.com. But Asif, if our listeners prefer to contact you directly, how can they do that? They can reach me at 416-985-CON. That's 416-985-5426. If you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. I'm Tina Cortez. Thank you for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.